With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rest of the West. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Stanley, and I am joined once again by Michael Peterson. Michael, how's it going? It's going really well, guys. How are you doing, Stanley? Oh, not bad. I had a, uh, I had to get away this weekend, had kind of like a, uh, I guess you'd call it a family emergency um, with one of my buddies from Afghanistan, but everything worked out and uh, now I'm back and I spent the day uh, catching up on all the games from this weekend. That sounds fantastic. I recently just spent all of yesterday um taking engagement photos which was a blast and a half although we didn't know what we were wearing or what we were doing the morning of so um call it hectic but we got to figure it out and uh really just happy to get back to talking about some football awesome yep time for some man time um so this is the rest of the west as we've said and uh we're gonna start out by talking about the raiders game from this weekend so the raiders lost once again uh they are now zero and three they flew out to the East Coast and played the Miami Dolphins, and they lost 28-20. to 20. Michael, any initial thoughts on the game? Um, besides being happy that the Raiders are 0-3? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe a couple. Uh, their defense still looks just about as bad as ever. Carr can't do it all. That defense can't stop anything. And all of a sudden, um, you see you know, who scored in this Miami game, and it's guys like Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, it wasn't Leontay. Oh, Albert Wilson. Yeah, it was Jakeem Grant. Um, just guys that you haven't really heard much of. And all of a sudden, they're the ones that are propelling the Miami Dolphins to a 3-0 start and obviously beating the Oakland Raiders um, in the fashion that they did. 
It's kind of crazy. Yeah. The so I I mean I I predicted last week that the Raiders were going to lose this game. I didn't see them winning this at all. Um, and they came out and kind of they kind of surprised me early on. Um, the Raiders kind of started fast. They looked really good off the bat. Uh, the Dolphins didn't really have an answer for Jordy Nelson early in the game. He just went down and was making a lot of catches, getting a lot of chunk yardage. Mm. Uh, but they couldn't really, they didn't really get much going at all on the ground during the game. Uh, their, their leading rusher was Marshawn Lynch, who had 64 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown. And he basically willed himself yardage. They mm -hmm. did not block very well in the run game at all. Uh, continuing on offense, uh, Derek Carr just looks, he just looks bad to me. Um, he holds on to the ball way too long. He did that multiple times. Um, he threw a couple really bad interceptions. He had two of them. Their offense just, it didn't ever really look like it was clicking except for right on the first two drives. He had uh, Derek Carr had a couple good passes to Jordy Nelson. And then later on in the game, it's like he remembered that Jordy Nelson was on the team and started throwing to him again and got some more through a couple more passes to him. I mean, he had six receptions for 173 yards on eight targets and a touchdown. And then the next closest receiver was uh, actually a running back. Jalen Richard uh, had six, also had six receptions, but only for 59 yards. I mean, he, they just, it, it wasn't a very good game offensively for them. And then defensively, they still looked bad. They just couldn't get anything going to stop the, uh, to stop the dolphins. Tannehill looked really good. He had a couple, he actually had two runs for first downs that he, I mean, it, they were 10 plus yards each. Uh, one of them was 18 yards. He was really efficient, had 17 completions on 23 attempts for three touchdowns and 289 yards. I, they just, the game, the the game was not as close as the score dick as the score would lead you to believe. Uh, the Raiders pretty much just looked bad all the way around, uh, especially in the red zone. I mean that the Raiders actually had an opportunity to come back late and just they fizzled in the red zone multiple times. So it was just bad all around. Uh, and yeah, this the score was a little deceiving. That it was not that close. Yeah, man, I'm looking over the the defensive stats for Oakland. Um... And again, we talked about at the beginning how there's almost these, at least previously thought of uh, irrelevant receivers and skill position players that the Dolphins have had that haven't really amounted much are the ones, you know, picking up all the yards, scoring all the touchdowns. And um, the theme stays the same with the Raiders in that there is no pass rush. There's no pass rush whatsoever. They had one sack and that came from a guy named Clint McDonald, a 31 year old defensive tackle. And I mean, of all the guys they drafted, Arden Key, PJ Hall, Maurice Hurst, you'd like to think that um, those guys could get something going. And obviously they were drafted to be the people to make these plays. And again, and you're just not seeing anything. And even newly signed Jonathan Hankins, just one tackle. Sure. I don't know how much of a, an impact he had. Um, you watched the game a little more than me, but just, you know, on paper, it's still not going well for the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, my biggest takeaway from this game with the Raiders is basically force Derek Carr to beat you. Like do everything you can to shut down Marshawn Lynch and force Derek Carr to beat you when they're on offense. And so far when the Raiders are on defense, if you throw the ball, you're going to beat them. Mm -hmm. They, they didn't really have an answer for the, I like I'm, I'm after watching the game and now going back and just looking at the stat sheet, I'm surprised that the dolphins only passed the ball 23 times. It just, but then they also actually only had what nine, four, they only had 14 rush attempts. Oh, wow. too, so they just didn't, they didn't hold the ball very long. They were just super efficient when they had the ball. Mm. 
Um, and yeah, this this Raiders team is just not very good and they're not very well coached either. So it's, you know, it's starting to look like they are just, they're going to be going for a top five pick again this year. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I mean, you can't really overcome two interceptions thrown by your quarterback. And especially with how fast Miami was scoring, um, they didn't need to do anything. Um, while those backfield numbers are crazy, 14 for 41 and uh, Tannehill only threw for, you know, just under 300 yards and put up 28 points and seemed like a well handed loss to the Raiders. So, wow. Just wow. What a weird week. And uh, Raiders still uh, trending down like we all want. All right. So moving on, uh, the uh, the other East Coast game was Broncos at Ravens. Uh, the Broncos lost the game 14 to 27. Um, and I guess I'll lead off on this one. So I'm going to kind of give you my stream of consciousness notes here from as I was watching the game. Uh, so the the Broncos, they had a lot of intensity right off the bat. I mean, off the, uh, the opening kickoff, the Broncos had a really big tackle uh, pinning the pinning the Ravens back deep. And then immediately uh, forced it turn, uh, forced the punt, and then blocked the punt, and scored a touchdown on the on the first play of offense from like the Ravens four yard line. So in less than two minutes, even though they kicked off to start the game, the Broncos were already up seven zero, and then the momentum immediately swung back because then they let the Ravens march all the way down the field and score a touchdown to answer back. So it was it was. It was a really fast start. And then the Broncos got their second touchdown with only seven minutes left in the first quarter. So they scored 14 points in the first eight minutes of the game. And then that's what they finished with. They didn't score again for the entire rest of the game. They got shut out for three and a half quarters. Um, So their offense just kind of fizzled out. Um, The other notes here I have is uh, Bradley Chubb is actually really starting to develop for them. Um, He's starting to look like a player that's worth that. Uh, top five pick that they spent on him. Uh, he had a sack in the game and had a couple really nice plays against the run. So he looks like he's coming along well. Uh, the Broncos uh, offensive line looked bad again. Uh, they didn't block well versus the run. They weren't giving uh, Keenum great protection, but I think their biggest thing that's that's going against them right now is Case Keenum. He does not look comfortable at all. He holds the ball way too long he kind of looks like a statue back there. Like he's, the, he's the opposite of Derek Carr. Derek Carr holds the ball a long time, but he keeps his feet moving. Case Keenum just kind of stands back there like a statue until he gets blown up, which happened a couple times in this game. And then he just throws really, really poorly timed interceptions. I mean, he threw uh, one, one this game, but it, and it was in the red zone. And if it wasn't for a block in the back, it would have been a pick six. He just, he does not look good in their offense. And then, he wasn't getting any help either because one of the notes that I have here is that the Ravens wide receivers were catching everything that was even close, but the Broncos wide receivers had multiple drops. I mean, even Emmanuel Sanders is usually pretty sure handed. He had two drops, I think. Um, so it just, it was a bad, really bad game all around from the Broncos. Yeah. They just, they beat themselves between the drops and then they had two really bad penalties in the red zone uh, that basically took away touchdowns from them. So yeah, this, this Broncos team looked awful in their, in this East coast game. Yeah. And I mean, the Broncos came into this game, um, as one of the last two and O teams. Um, and one of the biggest reasons they kind of got out to this hot start with, uh, you know, two wins is Philip Lindsay is the undrafted free agent running back that we've 
talked about recently um has kind of set some records just you know in terms of uh yards from scrimmage for udfa but um lindsey didn't really make too much of an impact in this game and that's because he actually got into a little bit of a scrum uh towards the beginning of the game where um i was i was told this happened i didn't actually get to see it but according to our wonderful richard wade our head editor he said that he was in the bottom of a pile and threw punches for whatever reason and yep. he only ended up with four carries for 20 yards. And um, Lindsey's been such a spark plug for this offense in the running game and the receiving game, um, totaling over 100 yards from scrimmage in both games so far that they won. So without Philip Lindsey, um, it really put the Broncos at a disadvantage, especially playing a defense like the Ravens um, have one of the most stout run uh, defenses in the league. They have a very opportunistic uh, secondary. They love picking off balls, love causing turnovers. And it's kind of... Uh, you know what happened Keenum didn't turn the ball over a ton but again he didn't throw any touchdowns but he did throw one interception and I mean I think that's five maybe six so far this season I believe five but Keenum is not what the Broncos thought he was going to be he had a great year with the Vikings last year he had two great receivers he still has some good receivers here in Denver um, at least you know they look good when Peyton Manning was throwing them the ball but maybe that's you know the shtick here um, Keenum ain't it so far in these first three games, 192 yards, like I said, zero touchdowns, one interception, a 29.3 QBR, which is very, very much less than ideal. And I mean, if he can throw the ball, you had Royce Freeman, um, 13 carries for 53 yards and a touchdown. He still looked pretty good, averaged 4.1 yards a carry. Even Emmanuel Sanders um, took one uh, tote to the house, 35 yards. But other than that, man, this offense was stagnant. Um, and it's kind of what I expected, though. Uh, I'm not sure how the Broncos go from here, uh, whether Keenum really steps up to the plate, um, whether some of these other playmakers and then Lindsey comes back because I know he's super important. I don't think he's going to be in the doghouse for that long. Um, he does play a huge role in that offense. He also is a returner on special teams. So more than likely, he will be right back in the lineup um, come next week. But man, they're uh, I'm, they actually they're two and one, but I actually thought they were one and two to match the Chargers record. But um, they just haven't seemed like they've been I guess playing that well, but two and one is two and one. And uh, I don't know again, Keenum ain't it. And we'll just see how long it lasts. Yeah. Keenum. I, 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 I hate to keep dogging on him, but it, it's kind of fun to dog on somebody who's not a charger. Uh, he just, he looked bad. He, uh, one, another thing I noticed was even his, even his short passes were all coming in low. Like all, all of the wide receivers were having on comeback routes. were having to either try and like, get on the ground and cradle the ball where they were bending all the way yeah. over and getting blown up and, and they were going incomplete and he never looked good throwing the ball. If he couldn't set his feet, if he was rolling out or if he was trying to move in the pocket at all and didn't have a chance to reset his feet, the the ball was coming off target and he just, he didn't move well in the pocket either. He, he we see we're, we're kind of spoiled with the chargers and Philip rivers. He just, he can make those minute movements in the pocket so well to avoid pressure. And it just seems like case Keenum is the opposite. He makes minute movements, but at the wrong time and in the wrong direction and just puts himself in bad situations. So, you know, it, the Broncos, they're going to need to case Keenum's going to need to turn something around for that offense to start putting anything together. No, you're right. Uh, it makes you think about, um, how much of an influence Pat Shermer had on the quarterback back in Minnesota. Um, obviously Shermer's now with the New York giants, but Keenum wasn't 
much at all. If we recall when he was with the Rams and I think he spent time with the Texans as well at the beginning of his career. Um, you know, there was the time where people were making jokes that the Rams locker room, um, you know, the quarterback room at one point had Bradford Keenum Foles and golf. And then, you know, last year, especially the way, um, Bradford started, you know, set some record for, uh, um, completion percentage, I think in 16 and then started off 17 really, really well before he got hurt. And then Keenum came in and, you know, did what he did, but, um, it's starting to look more and more, especially with Bradford struggling in Arizona, Keenum struggling in Denver, maybe Pat Shermer was just the key. So we'll see if, uh, Keenum can kind of break that, um, spell right now, but you know, as of right now, good for the chargers to kind of see, um, important positions on their division rivals kind of struggling. Yep. So let's finish this off here, uh, rounding up the West with the Chiefs at Niners. And we'll spend a little bit more time on this game just because uh, the 49ers are actually the Chargers' next opponent. So the Chiefs won this game 38-27. Uh, and and kind of like the, the rest of the AFC West teams, like we've been mentioning, the Chiefs had a very quick start. They scored 35 of their 38 points in the first half. Uh, it, they, they just... they they were able to move it basically at will uh, Patrick Mahomes like, once again, looked completely comfortable back in the uh, back in the backfield. He kept his eyes downfield and was able to find people uh, even when he had to move. He did. Finally, I did notice he had a couple of overthrows the, the he kind of put a little too much on a couple of throws, but almost everything was right on target. And once again, I was like, I mentioned last week, I was, I was given a little bit more respect for the Chargers defense watching what Travis Kelsey did to the 49ers defense because he hauled in eight of his 10 targets for 114 yards. And it just seemed like anytime Patrick Mahomes wanted to throw the ball to Kelsey, Kelsey was open. Uh, they had their, their offensive line blocked well for him. And they just, yeah, they just moved the ball at will during that first half. And I mean, 35 points in, in a half of football is just ridiculous. And then uh, the as for the 49ers uh, in that first half, it was just, it was so bad for them. I, I, I felt bad watching them play that game because they were able to get a little bit going uh, where they, they, they wound up finishing a drive in the second quarter with a 35 yard pass to their tight to their fullback um, for a touchdown. But I mean, other than that drive, uh, you know, they're going to be without J Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, which we will get to in a little bit. He tore his ACL at the end of the game, but he looked pretty bad for the whole game. Uh, he finished 20 of 30 for 251 yards and two touchdowns, which the stat line looks all right, but he just, he looked frazzled. Uh, he didn't look comfortable. And a lot of his passes were checkdowns. I mean, George, uh, is it George or Greg Kittle? It's George. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So George Kittle, uh, he had seven targets for five and five receptions for 79 yards. The fullback was the next leading target with four. And then you finally get to a wide receiver, Marquise Goodwin, who had four targets. And then you go back to another running back with Matt Breda, who had three. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he was checking everything down. He didn't look comfortable. And as we know, this Chiefs defense isn't exactly great. So, you know, the four, this 49ers team isn't really worrying me that much for next week. No, it's definitely not. Uh, Jimmy G being out is huge. Uh, you got a former Hawkeye and CJ Beathard now stepping up, who was actually the, the 49ers starter for a handful of games before they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Uh, we all saw that Richard Sherman, um, the veteran quarterback who, you know, was arguably one of the best in the league a handful of years ago, sort of looks like he's lost a step and obviously he won't be playing in this game. So a lot less to worry about. The thing with the San Francisco 49ers is they've got a pretty underrated front seven in their defense. Um, guys like Eric Armstead, um, and I'm like blanking on the other defensive tackles name. They're like the same person. They're both these huge defensive tackles from Oregon. Eric Armstead and, oh, DeForest Buckner. There it is. I don't know. They both got different names, but they were both like, you know, these six, 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 seven defensive tackles, defensive ends from the University of Oregon. And then they got Reuben Foster, who as a rookie last year was actually one of the best linebackers in the entire NFL. The dude is insane in coverage. He's a hell of an athlete, hell of a motor. Um, if anything, this is the part of the 49ers that scare me the most. I don't think CJ Beathard's going to wheel and deal with the receiver group that they have. I don't think their secondary is going to be handle or handle, excuse me, the the firepower of the charges, especially with guys like Mike Williams stepping up. They don't have height. They don't have length. They don't have speed. Um, I honestly think it's going to be a good day. I think it's going to be a good day in terms of, uh, you know, bounce back coming off the LA game um, a little bit for their confidence and, and stuff like that. But um, man, 38 points from the chiefs. Um, I was just trying to remember. I thought they had scored 38 points through the first three games of the season, but they had 42 against the Steelers. So through three weeks, the Steelers are or not Steelers. Excuse me. The chiefs are averaging just under 40 points a game, which is absolutely insane. And it seems like either um, each game they're doing it with a different set of players this week. Um, Kareem Hunt had two rushing touchdowns again, Kareem Hunt, not picking up the yards, but he can still score when he needs them to. Um, so two touchdowns from Kareem Hunt, Patrick Mahomes, three touchdown passes again, setting records. He, uh, his three touchdowns put him at 13 for the year, which is, uh, broke Peyton Manning's record from his 2015 season where he had 12 touchdowns through the first three games. And man, Travis Kelsey looking about as good as ever, but do you think this thing with Mahomes is ever going to stop? Because this is kind of getting out of hand. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. I mean, he has to come back to earth a little bit, but he's really good. I mean, there's no denying it. He just, it, out of, out of, so I watched three games so far. I, wa I watched the, the Broncos game, the Chiefs game, and the Raiders game. Out of all six quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes actually looked like the most comfortable quarterback on the field. And that included Ryan Tannehill. That included, quote unquate, Joe Flacco. Elite, <laughs> Joe Flacco um, and, and then Derek Carr and Case Keenum. And then and Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he just looks like the game is moving at half speed for him. Um, he's like, I mean, everyone has bad games. I mean, even... Uh, Peyton Manning had a six interception game against the Chargers way back in the day. So, you know, everyone's going to come back down to earth eventually, but he just looks like he, he gets the NFL. Um, and that coaching staff is giving him all the opportunity to succeed. They had 
a really fun play. Um, it was basically a triple screen option where they sent uh, Tyreek Hill in motion, uh, moving from, from the bottom of the screen to the top of the screen, and then he looped back around Patrick Mahomes back down to the bottom of the screen after the snap, uh, like it was kind of like a reverse wide receiver screen. Um, but as soon as Patrick Mahomes looked and saw that he was covered, he, he looked up to the top side of the field and both Kareem Hunt and Travis Kelsey were sitting on the line of scrimmage waiting for a screen pass and he dumped it off to Kelsey. So it was, it was a really interesting wrinkle. It was really cool to watch. Um, and the, the, the poor linebackers of the 49ers are like, what the hell do we do with this? Uh, so that was a really fun play and it'll be interesting to see, uh, if that one comes back out against the chargers. Cause that was just that was just crazy to watch. You know, at this rate, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Reid had a whole new bag of tricks by the time the Chargers faced them uh, again at the end of the season. And it's about as well oiled as it can get. I remember one specific play. Um, you probably saw it, but it was the play where Mahomes faced pressure right off the snap instantly. He ran left, completely gave his back to the defense, turned around, sprinted towards his right, and he saw. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. I can probably tell just right here from the box. It was either Connolly. It was probably Demetrius Harris, um, a 13-yard touchdown pass where he just threaded this needle on the run, sprinting for his life to his right. And, I mean, Harris was not open when he threw this ball. He just saw the way Harris was moving, and there was two defensive backs in front of Harris, not so much like right in direction um, or right in the way, but he saw how these two defenders were moving. He saw how Harris was moving and he just let this thing rip. And it was just perfect. Everyone moved, you know, out of the way who um, he didn't want in the way Harris timed it up perfectly. It was just insane. So again, this, it, he was running for his life, but what you talked about, he's comfortable. He looks the most comfortable in the pocket, operating out of the pocket, running for his life. He still looks cool, calm and collected while he's doing it. Um, Man, I've just never seen anything like it. Yeah, his his start has been pretty epic, and um, <laughs> he's got a good team around him. Like he's got a lot of weapons: Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, everybody. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's he's set up for success. And this Chiefs team is it, they're dangerous, man. I mean, their their defense isn't great, but at the rate that their offense can put up points, they're not out of any game. So. There you have it with the Chiefs. Um, I did want to talk just a little bit. I had a couple more notes on the 49ers since we're playing them this week. Um, so Matt Breda finished the game with 10 rushes for 90 yards. Um, and then he added three more receptions for 27 yards. What's funny is, so size-wise, they're nothing alike. But style-wise, Matt Breda reminds me a lot of actually Melvin Gordon because he he doesn't, runs super well inside he doesn't always make the first guy miss in fact more often than not he doesn't make the first guy miss but when when you get the ball to him in space when they when they were doing sweeps to him and his three passes were swing passes to the outside he gets going really fast to that outside and if you get him the ball in space he's going to make something happen so that'll be something for, that the Chargers will need to prepare for is keeping Matt Breda contained and keeping him, forcing him inside. Um, and then Alfred Morris, he looked really good as a, as that kind of bruising power back. He had 14 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. He looked pretty good inside. Uh, so they're, they're definitely, especially now with, with Jimmy Garoppolo go out, 
they're going to be feeding those two the ball a lot next week. Uh, so the Chargers defensive line better be ready to step up because they're going to be pounding the rock next week. Um, the other thing I had was that the uh, 49ers offensive line actually surprised me a bit. The, the Chiefs defensive line is probably their strongest unit right now. Um, and they weren't able to do very much at all. Um, they did come away with uh, with four sacks, but that was mostly just because Jimmy Garoppolo, like I said, didn't look comfortable and was holding the ball way too long. He, he kind of put himself into those sacks. Uh, the 49ers offensive line was opening up really good holes in the run game and was doing enough that if, you know, if there was a slightly better quarterback back there, uh, they could have done a little bit of damage. So this basically what I'm saying is that the Chargers defensive line better show up next week because this 49ers offense, this 49ers offense could sneak up on them. No, and you're totally right. Um, they have a very underrated offensive line. I mean, left tackle Joe Staley is a veteran. Uh, he's been playing super well ever since the the year they went to the Super Bowl. And the right tackle is Mike McGlinchey. is a rookie at Notre Dame who I really liked through the draft process. Um, the guy is, you know, he, he he is a rookie technically. But if you were to walk in front of him, talk to him, um, you would think he was been in the league for for years and years. The guy's going to end up being a coach just the way he he handles himself with the media. Um, you know he's going to coach. He he sounds and looks like one as well. Man, it's just it's absolutely insane. He's played super well to begin his rookie career. So yeah, that offensive line um, highly underrated and may actually end up causing some problems. And you talk about how the Chargers have struggled to create any sort of a pass rush without Joey Bosa. Um, it might be more of the same uh, when it comes to this uh, 49ers game, unless they're able to dial something new up. You know, keep using Derwin, Adam Desmond somebody Uchenna even more I think Uchenna Nwosu actually didn't have um as many snaps as we'd probably like I think 21 was the number that comes to mind I know it wasn't a lot by any means it was I know when I saw it I I thought that was awfully low so we'll see but again that that offensive line um might be the x factor when it comes to this game and that pretty much wraps up the rest of the west that was quite the sigh yeah I know <laughs> sorry I just uh I you know with with how the Chargers have been playing I really hope this doesn't wind up being a trap game. I hope it's going to be as easy as we all assume it's going to be and that things are going to go smoothly but you know I just don't want to end up feeling like the Vikings after this game, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, oh man. So talk about a little bit as of I stare at my fiance in the eye right now. Yeah, I bet yeah. <laughs> she has a couch in her she's apartment, right? Yeah, she's giving me a stink eye right now. <laughs> the old Viking fan. Sorry, honey. They did it to themselves. <laughs> they did. So there you have it. The Chiefs still very firmly atop the AFC West. The Raiders and the Broncos both had horrible games. And the Chargers are still, you know, not out of it yet. And and as Posey said in his show, the Chargers, you know, they're in really good position right now because they have the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. And especially this next month, the, the Chargers should be able to pull off three at least three if not all four of these next four games no you're right um you know they can lay it out uh the easy schedule in the world um but you and i know better Chargers fan base knows better to uh to rest our heads on on any of this so as long as they come in take care of business take care of the little things there's no more gaffes no more shots in the foot man it's it got a little too much with the rams but um you know, we always prepare for it, but 
uh, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. And I think we all got to uh, look at it going forward. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again, Michael. And thanks again to all of you for listening to the rest of the West. We will be back on Saturday for our next It's Almost Game Day. And we'll get you uh, get you prepped up for the Chargers game, talk about the injury report, get you your, your final uh, fantasy cheat sheet for the Chargers game. And, you know, just get ready for it to be game day. So thanks again. I'm Matthew Stanley at Bolt Fan in Denver on Twitter. And this has been Michael Peterson at Zone Tracks on Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.